0: Welcome to
1: the iChiefs podcast series. This is the podcast series talking about new ideas, leadership initiatives, and other things happening happening in our industry uh, that might affect the members of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. I'm Tom Jenkins. I'm the fire chief for the city of Rogers, Arkansas, and the past president of our wonderful organization in 2017 and 2018, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Sheldon Gilbert.
0: Hi, Tom. It's a pleasure and an exciting day to be here to talk about a very important topic. If you don't feel well, don't make it your farewell. I think if any of us have been around the fire service any amount of time we've experienced an on-duty related major medical and and in some cases unfortunately some of us have had to experience or or deal with an on-duty fatality as a relation of a major medical i know personally in my former organization we had a 28 year old male who had a cardiac incident and ended up um, dying from that uh, on an on a medical call and so this is pretty important stuff and we've talked a lot of the past about how to Uh, maintain a healthy health and wellness initiative but today i think we're going to talk more about you know cultural and personal and organizational responsibility as it relates to uh, making sure we get help if we need it so um, i'm really excited about the conversation and, and looking forward to what our guests have to say
1: yeah, absolutely. And I must applaud um both of our guests because they're not just uh people who share a personal story. I think a lot of fire chiefs do. Um this is a I don't know if this initiative is genius or ingenious, but either way it's a great initiative and uh and and both of these individuals, Chief Gary Ludwig, Fire Chief of the City of Champaign, Illinois and our current uh, IFC president and chairman of the board um, is, is this is his initiative that he started and he's going to tell us why it's so important to him so uh, Gary we're honored to have you here you're a great friend and certainly somebody that's making a difference um, during your time as IFC president and uh, joining him we have Ian Emmons he's a deputy chief of operation for the Washington Township Ohio Fire Department and uh, Chief Emmons is not just somebody who can talk about why this is an important initiative. Here he is as a deputy chief of ops, so somebody who's you know, it's where the rubber meets the road. But he's somebody who has led this working group and is helping to put together the toolkit that we'll talk about um, as we progress in this podcast. So, Chiefs, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you.
3: It's really an honor to be here, and uh, I, I really appreciate this uh, this opportunity to talk about what's so important to me. So, well, Chief Ludwig,
1: I want to start with you, and and right out of the gate, I think you know I, I, our our listeners, I think, come to these podcasts so they can hone their skills and be plugged into the industry and the profession. What, what's the backstory? What is the story that caused you to make this your
3: keystone initiative during your term as president? Well, I'll start with my own personal experience, and uh, many. People don't know this Tom and um, so I, I came to Champaign uh, in twenty fourteen. I left the Memphis fire department I was looking for a five bugle position looking I was a four bugle chief there as a deputy chief in Memphis and it uh, was an opportunity for me to uh, and I was looking for my fifth bugle and champagne uh, presented it with that opportunity and so coming as a chief from the outside, um, I wanted to try to bond with my guys, so to speak and i um I would do fire. Live fire training with them. I would, you know, suit up, put my mask on, put my tank on, and and um, you know, go into the live fires, the zero visibility environments with them. And um, so one day uh, at our at the training academy, I, um, I I go up one flight of stairs. I'm okay. Uh, I get to the landing. I go to the second flight of stairs. I'm going to check on the crews that are upstairs ventilating on the second floor on this on this building that this this, this building that we use for training. And um, and I, I get, all of a sudden, I get to the point where I have no, I get inside the door and I have no energy. I have zero energy. I, I've never felt like this before. And uh, I'm just completely like a wet wash rag, just limp. And so um, I come on back down and I can barely make it to my car. And I tell the operations chief outside, I said, you know, I'm just too old for this stuff. And uh, I can barely get my stuff off, put it in my uh Car and a week later, I find myself in the cath lab getting some stents. My body was signaling to me that something was wrong, something I had never felt before. I didn't feel well. I knew something was wrong. I didn't feel good, and um, so I I continually watch these NIOSH reports of individuals who also die from cardiac events. And if you look at the backstories on a lot of these, a lot of these other individuals said, "I don't feel right. I don't feel good. Something's wrong." And and there's also the secondary story where we tell them to go home and lay down or go back to the bunk hall. And um, so half of our deaths, about half of our our deaths, as you know, are cardiac related. And so we we need to intercept. We need to stop the process of what we're doing and have an intervention. And I think we can save some people in our profession because we need to, again, intervene. If you don't feel well, we don't want you to make it your farewell. Wow, Chief, that's um
0: that's an amazing story and no doubt that was a personal and professional life changing event and I'm and I'm so thankful that you're willing to share that and uh help the industry and help our membership, you know, deal with this in a in a responsible way and hopefully reduce these type of bad outcomes in the future. But so how how would you say that did affect you individually and as a fire chief professionally? What what changed after that event in your eyes and in your mind?
3: There was two things. I, I would say, one, I'm, I, I I praise God because he gave me a second chance, and I always like to say that God pushes us to his towards, to His purpose, and I'm assuming he's not done with me. He had some more things he wants me to accomplish. And And second, you have a keener appreciation for life. You stop to smell the roses. You stop to listen to the music, and you appreciate the family. When we have events such as Christmas and those types of family gathering events, uh, I look at those more in a different viewpoint, a different way now. And I haven't even come as close to death as others have in our profession. So I can almost imagine what they've gone through. So those are the, uh, some of the key takeaways for me, Sheldon.
1: Well, one of the things that, um, you know, our, our listeners, our fire chiefs out there, members of the association, you know, they, they have to digest information in, in short tidbits. I think that's one of the reasons these, the reason these podcasts are so popular. You know, the name of the initiative is "If You Don't Feel Well, Don't Make It Your Farewell." So, with, with a name like that, this, can you tell us briefly how what, how does that work by the name?
3: So, Tom, uh, what I was trying to do was with my initiative as IFC president was to try to come up with some type of catchy name, some type of branding, some type of marketing name that is catchy enough that that people are going to remember it. And um, so when I say if you don't feel well, don't make it your farewell, sure, a lot of us don't feel well sometimes. we got a cold, or, you know, we got some aches, we got some pains, um, but I can tell you with uh, emphasis that, um, that what I felt that day was nothing that I have ever felt before. And it, and it sounds from when I look at the historical pers- perspective of those that have died from what they describe and from those that I've talked to that I have survived – that it is truly a feeling that you have never experienced before. You know that there is something wrong with your body. You know there is something signaling to you that you need to do something. And uh, and so we need, again, to stop this process. This this, this and We need an intervention to stop what is occurring and get immediate attention for this person. You know, when we talked about, well, we need to eat right, we need to lose weight, we need to, you know, That's it's past that point we're at the point now where there is an intervention needed because your body is signaling to you, you have something wrong, and you need to act because it might be your farewell. That's
0: pretty important stuff. And, and I think when you when I hear you talk about this and, and how personal it was for you, but then also how the, the cultural and the organizational dynamics entered into, you know, what you were feeling, what you were participating in, and ultimately what you did with it. Um, how would you kind of break this down as far as is this – a personal issue? Is this a cultural issue? Is this a, is this a configuration of both that's contributing to these preventable de- uh, events? Or what are, what are your thoughts on that? Where does the change need to happen? Does it happen with me, or does it happen with us?
3: It, it's cultural in many ways, and and it's and I'll give you a good example. Uh, I can I can name individuals individuals that I know that have died. Chris Coleman was one of my firefighter paramedics in Memphis. He was not feeling well at the station. They tell him to go back in the bunk hall and lay down. They even made some runs without him. They ran as a three-person crew. He went home that morning. Uh, I'm also told he stopped at a station on the way, saying, you know what, if I just get a bag of fluids, maybe I'll feel better. Maybe I'm dehydrated. So he goes to another station. They run a bag of fluids into him. They allow him to go home even after he told him what was going on. Um, He continues that day, and then later on he died at home. Um, I can talk about some other events of individuals I know, and I can go through all those. They're all classic, Sheldon, and the fact that yeah. that we know, we as firefighters, that this individual is telling us that there's something wrong, they're telling us that they don't feel right, that they've never felt like this before, and we tell them that either to go home or we tell them to go in the bunk hall and lay down. We wouldn't treat a patient who walked into the station and said that to us. We wouldn't tell them to go home, or we wouldn't tell them to go home. and I'm sorry, we wouldn't tell them to go lay in the bunk hall. We would do something. We would at least put them on a monitor. We would take their blood pressure. We might ask them if they want to go to the hospital. We need, again, to change the culture within the fire service, just like we did with seatbelts. And, and that's how I see this is the same approach. It's an awareness and an education campaign that when someone's talking about they don't feel right and they there's definitely something wrong going on, we don't tell them, to go back in the bunk hall And we don't tell them to lay down And it also starts with the individual We've got to change that culture also I know we have this image um, And the machuism of a firefighter But you got to speak up you got to say, you know what guys At least put a monitor on me Or let's take my blood pressure Or maybe run me to the hospital Let's see what's going on So it's, 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 it's multifaceted, Sheldon As I see it, on why we have to change this culture It's not only the fire service culture But it's the individual culture And uh, and unfortunately, I I think even firefighter paramedics are worse in the fact that we are in denial, that something is going on, and we want to think that everything is all right. So it's it's multifaceted, and hopefully with this awareness and education campaign, we can, again, i emphasize, interrupt the process, intervene, and do something before it becomes fatal.
1: That was a perfect segue into the question I had, and that was – that it, and I don't say this just because we're friends. That this is this has caused conversation within my own department. That you know we're talking about how this is not an overly complex initiative. It's actually an initiative, like you said, it's education, it's awareness, it's changing the way we do things so that hopefully we, you know, we we have an impact on 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 people being alive. So it's a noble thing to do. Um, it, if you had a wish here, Chief Ludwig what would you like to see in terms of industry wide change like if this initiative is a success how do you how do you measure that or how how do you account for it what do you think that looks like to you as somebody who's the champion of this initiative
3: what i see as the end product tom is that we change the culture and that is when someone is signaling to us and again your body will definitely be signaling to you that there is something wrong that we at least put you on a monitor as a minimum. And and even then, if that continues, if that feeling exists, if that continues to persist, um, then we take that individual to the hospital and get them checked out. Um, the monitor may show what's going on. It might show some irregular arrhythmia, arrhythmia. It might show some other type of arrhythmia that is lethal. I don't know, but at least we let's put them on a monitor. Let's don't tell them to go home. I know of one particular case out in uh, Michigan where they told the captain to go go home and lay down, and uh, they found him in the back parking lot sitting in his car dead. And those are things that we shouldn't be doing to our own people. We should be taking care of ourselves as, as well as taking care of the community. But those are, those are the end products. That's the end game of what I'd like to see, Tom.
0: Those are some great points, Chief Ludwig, and and certainly things that we can build upon, and and I'm really excited to see as we roll out this initiative. And I'd I'd like to bring in Chief Emmons at this point. And, Chief, I'd like to talk to you. Obviously, there's a a series of things that you've witnessed and and experienced and been a part of that have brought you to a place where you want to be a part of this initiative and have have worked to to, uh, help develop this toolkit so we can – Uh, have these incidents not be so dramatic and and certainly prevent them whenever possible. So why don't you share uh, with our listeners your story and and how you got involved and why you're involved with this initiative?
2: Yeah, and I just want to say I'm I'm thankful to be on this podcast and on this initiative as well. It it holds a pretty special place for me also. And as a fire chief, I've I've had a couple instances administratively where I've had uh, firefighters and fire officers where we've had issues, uh, cardiac events, uh, that have uh, occurred on duty and off duty, and and those certainly you know stick in my mind. But for me, uh, this started way, way back um, as I was a firefighter paramedic as a, a young, I think I was probably 22 or 23 years old. And my story is kind of the the opposite side of that from Chief Ludwig's, where I wasn't the individual that experienced the cardiac event, rather I was the the partner of somebody who did. Um, and it's probably like any any other person's story. Um, in in my shoes that you would hear and and it it was just a normal day at the firehouse we were making calls um our medic unit and engine company went out on a a motor vehicle accident and we i was on the medic unit and we were wrapping up our our on scene and, and we made the transport the the engine company went back to the the firehouse it was around noon so they went back to to finish up with lunch and and we made the transport and we got back and everybody's sitting around the the table, and I'm not really sure if it happened all of a sudden or just none of us had realized the, the gradual change, but either way, uh, one of my partners just was presenting extremely pale diaphoretic, I mean, exhibiting all of those signs that you would read about during your paramedic schooling, um, you know, indicative of, of some sort of cardiac event or some sort of um, acute incident that was going on. Um, Kind of mentioned it to the group that he wasn't feeling very well to to chief ludwig's point you know there was a verbal um identification that he wasn't feeling right um and just as a a young firefighter and and a fairly new paramedic my initial thought is you know hey let me take you out into the medic unit and we'll we'll run a 12 lead and we'll do essentially what we would do you know for anybody else who walked into the firehouse looking and feeling like he did um and really you know uh, cordially he he said no and and he thought that he was going to go home instead and um, I was just kind of at a crossroads along with everybody else sitting at that table, and it was either the, the choice to say, no, we're going we're gonna to go outside and we're going to figure out what's going on, or the alternative uh, is, you know, okay, go ahead and go home. Uh, you're not feeling well. So, you know, ultimately he did go home. Um, he did not want us to, to take a look at him, and I didn't push back. Um, you know, I was fine with that. He was much more time on the job than I did, um, and, you know, I took his word for it. And uh, fortunately he called his wife on the way home and she didn't take no for an answer she actually came uh home from work early and found him looking the the same way and long story short he ended up at the hospital um, and he was having a, an acute cardiac event um and, and you know I'm thankful along with everybody else at the table that day that our story doesn't end in him you know passing away from that sudden cardiac event that was preventable um you know and and the reason that stuck with me as a paramedic, I've been taught how to identify those things. Um, as a friend, you know, I ultimately, I, I failed him along with some of the other people at that table that day, where instead of us pushing back and insisting, and, and to, to Chief Ludwig's point, you know, if somebody came in off the street and they looked um, like they were having an issue, uh, we would really, really press them to, to at least get looked at, um, if not really press them to go to the, the hospital for treatment Um and, you know, as a friend, we let him go. Um, and fortunately, he's still on the job today. Um, but, you know, that could have been a very, very different story and uh, the way it ended.
1: Well, it sounds like it's a story that's impacted you throughout your career. And so I, I guess that's kind of the follow-up is when you listen to that story and having that experience, is that something that has has impacted you deeply as a chief officer and how you handle your people and, and even in being involved in initiatives like these?
2: yeah it it definitely has um it gave me like a, a feeling or an emotion to work from uh, rather than the the cardiac events being somewhat of like an abstract thing um It's something that I felt you know I felt how how I felt like I'd let somebody down um, somebody who as a friend was depending on me and, and as a fire a uh, fire chief, a chief officer now. Um, And as a company officer prior to that, and a battalion chief prior to that, um, you know, the the people that that worked with me and and for me and alongside me, you know, I'm tasked with making sure their best interests um, are in mind. And the idea of letting one of my firefighters, a coworker, a peer, a friend refuse care, um, ultimately, I'm feeling fine, you know, I just wanna go home, I just wanna go lay down, that's not gonna cut it. Um, And and instead of somebody having to tell me that, I I had to learn that the hard way. so not only as a chief officer, but I'm still practicing paramedic. And, and ultimately, you know, regardless of what hat I'm wearing, it's my duty uh, to make sure that those I'm caring for, or I'm tasked with overseeing, that they understand the potential outcomes. Um, if they're sick, I'm gonna make sure they, they get the help that they need. Um, and as a chief officer, I just wanna make sure that I'm doing the, the same thing for the members of my fire department as well as the rest of the fire service. And that's kind of why I feel so passionate about being involved in this particular uh, initiative.
0: That's um... That's great that you've taken it to heart and that you've, you've made it a part of who you are and what you're going to do with the fire service. And I think that we need to give you and Chief Lugwig a good amount of credit for bringing together a group of individuals and start working on this and say, okay, what are some tools? What are some things that we can do to, uh, to address this issue and this problem? And so uh, my understanding is you, were, you headed up the work group uh, that is developing a toolkit that's going to be available along with a checklist. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work group and what you're developing and what that might look like?
2: Yeah, so the the work group was established um, at our meeting at the beginning of October by Chief Ludwig. Um, I think that there was a group of individuals that just kind of showed that they um, were engaged in that particular facet of this initiative. Um, so the work group was tasked with coming to, to together and developing some sort of toolkit um, something for fire chiefs and chief officers and fire departments and organizations um, regardless of, of what their orientation are whether it's ems or fire um, something for them to work from um, i think that one of the the biggest battles is just starting from square one um, and that very well could be the breaking point um, so an organization trying to write a policy or procedure or implement some sort of uh, initiative or bulletin, um, if they don't really have anywhere to start from, the odds of that being successful are slim to none. Uh, So what we were trying to do was focus on a starting point, um, providing and within the toolkit, um, those of you who have accessed it uh, know that there's some subheaders in there. Um, There's a section for sample policies, procedures, guidelines, There's a legislative uh, subtopic that gives a comprehensive uh, presumptive health initiative database. Um, So it's a a map of the United States and allows fire departments or organizations to take a look at what presumptive um, health initiatives are already on the floor or have been passed within their state, uh, which allows them to be a little bit more educated when they're writing those policies and procedures from a point of view from how their insurance is gonna cover it, whether it's a BWC claim, something of that nature. there's another subtopic for associated organizations, which are, you know, a lot of cardiovascular, uh, mended hearts, heart.org, things uh, and associations that you can go to those uh, websites and kind of get a better understanding for how their initiatives maybe not directly but indirectly support the fire service and what we're trying to do here. Um, there's another section for training, uh, tools and resources, uh, which kind of gives, you um, maybe like a bathroom break or coffee table break uh, type training uh, where fire chiefs can put it out to their their organizations. And it's really just an understanding of the signs and symptoms that one might see um, given a a cardiac event, acute cardiac event, or just some sort of uh, cardiovascular disease Um, gives a a really good rundown for different types of cardiovascular risk. Um, Really it's just training tools and resources that organizations can put out so their members are aware uh, of what we're up against. Um, you know, this is a well-studied, uh, well-written about um, ailment, and it's something that we can't just stick our heads in the, the sand and, and act like isn't occurring. And, and really, the training tools and resources gives you the understanding, whether you're a paramedic or you're within a fire department that doesn't practice EMS at all, it gives you a really good rundown. Um, some, some of the websites, even to the layperson, on what you should be looking for. Um, There's another subsection uh, or subtopic that goes over uh, media tools. And it's a look at, um, Chief Ludwig had mentioned, uh, looking at the NIOSH reports. Those are really powerful training tools. Those are really powerful stories um, of our fallen brothers and sisters. Um, So that is a URL um, hyperlink that takes you to the NIOSH website where you can search the different states and you can specifically search for cardiac events, um, which there was a NIOSH report written for. Um, And then the last subtopic goes over research papers, articles, blogs, things of that nature, really just giving an opportunity for people to to read up. Um, Some are on the scholarly level, others are blogs, but really it just gives more insight as to to what we're up against as a fire service. One of the
1: things Chief Emmons. that has really struck me in listening to both you and Gary today was the comment, and I, and I may not get it exactly right, but both of you have said we just need to treat our brother and sister firefighters as good as we would treat a stranger who walked in with chest pain or not feeling well. We want to take care of them to the same standard that we take care of strangers, and and in a profession like ours where sisterhood and brotherhood is is it's part of our DNA. It seems like it should be easier than I suspect it is and and I think there are plenty of barriers out there and I I'm, I'm just curious your perspective on you know why why is this an issue that we even have to have an initiative for what what do you think the cause of of even needing something like this is in our business
2: Well I would say that and this is somewhat of a hard question to to answer and in, in some sorts you know to your point that this should be easier than what it is Uh, but it's like anything else whenever you have insight knowledge um, to one particular situation us as firefighters and and ems practitioners um, we know enough to absolutely be dangerous to ourselves Um, and then mix in the alpha um, personalities that many of us have where um, you know these cardiac initiatives these signs and symptoms these are written for somebody else these aren't written for us um you know so it's really just i think the matter of changing the perception on um, whether or not you're viewed as weak within both your organization, your crew, the fire service in general. Um, for so long. uh, That's kind of the way it was built up culturally. Um, And really, I I see that as more of a vestige of the past. Uh, I think the fire service, current day fire service has done a pretty good job at opening up those cultural doors, whether it's the bullying issues that we've dealt with, it's the mental health issues that we've dealt with, um, cancer presumption. You know, a lot of those things, we're opening up the doors to being more vulnerable. Um, but ultimately, these are medical issues, and a lot of people are, are worried or have anxiety about the aftermath of being perceived as being weak. Um, and to, to Chief Ludwig's point, I think it's a huge cultural issue, and it's just a matter of changing that narrative that it doesn't make you weak um, to show vulnerability or ask for help, it actually makes you that much more courageous because not only do you want to be there for your family, not only do you want to be there in the moment for your crew, but you also want to be there 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Um, so it, it's much more than seeming weak in the moment. It, it's got long-term repercussions if we don't start asking for help, whatever the, the ailment may be. Um, so really, I think the, the answer to that question is, that we just need to do better culturally of, of making ourselves um, humans. You know, we're not just firefighters. So we're, we're not just paramedics. We're human beings as well.
0: Some good advice there. I think if we start treating each other like we treat the community in their time of need, we probably would pick up on some of those nuances and, and, and do better at this, and I think that's one of the great things about this initiative. So Chiefs, um, one of the hallmarks of our Uh, podcast, the iChiefs podcast, is we really like to give our our listeners a a, a takeaway or two from each of you on on what exactly should they take from this. This has been a tremendous session. There's a lot of good information. This is an extraordinarily important issue. And so I I thought we'd just give you a minute to to give us one or two things that you think our listeners should take away and that they can perhaps do or put in motion that will help address this this issue industry-wide. And Chief Ludwig, we'll start with you. What, What are a couple things that you would like our audience to take away?
3: Well, we said it for the last 30 minutes or so, and that is if you don't feel well, don't make it your farewell. When in doubt, let's stop the process. Let's intervene. Let's do something about it. And, again, we're not talking about the sniffles or a cold or an achy joint. I think we're talking about something that your body is definitely signaling to you. And um, and I just want to also take a moment also, Tom and Sheldon, if I may, to um, say thank you to Ian. And I also want to thank the other members of my committee I'm not an island on this project. Uh, I'm surrounded. A chief I worked for in St. Louis told me if you surround yourself with good people, they make you look good. And, um, and I'm surrounded with some good people on this committee. We have Ian, and I have members from the Metro section, the VCOS section, um, and we also have members from the EMS section. Uh, Ian is our representative from the Safety, safety Health, and Survival section. Uh, we have IFC staff working on this project and uh, and then I also want to thank uh, the representatives from AMR that are helping us not only with technical advice on the committee but also with financial help also and I also got to give a shout out to pulse point also because uh, they're helping us financially with this project we wouldn't be able to get this message out and do what we're doing unless we didn't have the, the work of the committee and also the work of the staff and also the work on the financial support from two wonderful organizations AMR and pulse point so uh, one more final thing, if I make, make one comment, and that is we're going to ask for other national organizations to sign on to this, endorse this and support it, and also advocate the message also. And so you'll see that also that will be something that's available on the website. So those are my takeaways, Sheldon and Tom.
0: Those are great, Chief. Thank you so much for taking the initiative and moving this along. And we're really excited to see where this goes and what a difference it can make. And Chief Emmons, how about you? Do you have a couple things you'd like to leave with the with the listeners before we close this down?
2: Yeah, I think that this this seems almost insurmountable in some ways, and and it's just it's a huge mountain to move. Um, because of the, the prevalence of cardiac issues in the fire service. But I just want to say through just physical fitness and safety, health, and survival section, all of these endeavors that I've taken on beforehand um, and now through all the research that I, that I had done, uh, putting together the toolkit and, and working with this initiative is, is I think the biggest takeaway is this is preventable. Um, maybe not every single time, uh, but it, through, through a multi-pronged approach. It's not just any one approach, uh, but it is a, a preventable or minimizable um, issue. Um, and some of those might be administrative preparedness, uh, which part of the toolkit, and, and I forgot to touch on that, was the administrative checklist. Um, and that is a checklist of best practices uh, that fire departments can go and access and take a look at and make sure that they're meeting all of those bullet points, at least researching and figuring out what works for them and what doesn't whenever they're trying to incorporate a policy for on-duty or cardiac response, um, but whether it's through administrative preparedness, whether it's through um, standards like NFPA 1582, 1583 and physical fitness and physicals, whether it's through um, rehab policies and um, regardless there's a multi-pronged approach to prepare uh, to to preventing this and I think that if we we approach it that way and make sure that we're trying to cover all of our bases um, I think that we can really minimize this and it may not happen overnight but I think a couple years from now if we work on changing the culture and preparing our people physically and and mentally for this changeover I think that we can reduce uh, what we're seeing right now significantly
1: Well, Chief Emmons, Chief Ludwig, uh, you have been a wealth of information to talk about this important initiative. And so to our listeners out there, um, the number one takeaway is to understand what this initiative is all about. And so there's a toolkit available to you. This is a toolkit that has been developed by fellow IAFC members in an attempt to make it easier for fire departments to adopt industry best practice and to understand the problem and to and to hopefully, if, if this, these situations present themselves, and they do likely every day at fire departments across the globe, that we make sure that people uh, don't become a statistic. And so we encourage you to go to the website. It's IFC.org slash don't feel well. Read about the initiative, download the toolkit, and be engaged with your association. Chiefs, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to more informative and educational podcasts that will be out there to help our fire service leadership. Coming in 2020 includes topics about high-performing organizations and high-performing leadership teams, so look forward to hearing more about that in the future. Thank you very much for joining the IAFC iChiefs podcast series.